This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. The Miller Report is a weekly podcast hosted by WABC. We talk to business leaders and real estate professionals throughout New York City because real estate is the glue that keeps this city thriving. Together, we're rebuilding New York City. Today, we have a special guest. He came to New York City from Israel about 30 years ago with the dream of being a jazz musician. 22 years ago, he founded Nest Seekers. In addition to real estate, he owns a yacht company, fine arts, private aviation, a staging company, and a corporate housing company. He has offices in New York, South Florida, L.A., London, and Milan. He recently launched Nest Seekers International and Nest Seekers Media. Welcome, Eddie Shapiro, to the Miller Report. Eddie, wow, like that's a mouthful. Congratulations. How did you do all that? You look so young. Hi, Susan. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I, I've got some gray hair, you know, behind the, uh, <laughs> um, you know, this brown hair, but uh, it, it's, you know, 30 years in the making. It's not didn't happen uh, one day uh, and all of these um, businesses that you rattle off are are all interconnected and uh, feed off of each other. And it's uh, really, you know, real estate is the anchor and, and the heart soul of it, uh, the brokerage business. But the, uh, the yachting, the media, uh, private aviation, the, the arts, it's all an extension of uh, the real estate yeah. business dealing with um, affluent people that uh, buy, sell, invest uh, their, um, um, you know, a, a portion of their net worth is real estate is always a, a big part of it. Uh, but then they've got their toys, you know, and so um, we're there to support all of their lifestyle and all of their needs for uh, trading and managing of their hard assets. So, you know, we're we're not in the banking business. We're not in the uh, the crypto business or or, um, any of the other uh, intangible assets. Uh, But we can we're happy to handle advice, sale um, and uh, market and brand and manage all of your um, summer homes, first homes, uh, mountain house, beach house, um, yacht, jet boat, you know, and so on and so forth. So, um, so just before we get into the uh, the, the nitty gritty here, I, we're curious. Like I'm really curious, how did you get into the real estate business? You wanted to be a musician. So, going back to the early '90s, um, I think every a, a lot of people come to New York with uh, some aspiring arts uh, dreams and at a young age, um, but it's it's hard to make a living in it, you know. So. Uh, uh, I think everyone in their in the early stage of their career probably uh, works multiple jobs. You've got your day gigs, you've got your night gigs, you've got the jobs here that pay the rent, and then the the dreams that you pursue. Um, and the day gig became the night gig and became just everything, right? Uh, and that's real estate. I was able to uh, translate a lot of the um, creative components of the you know the music dream and and. Um, what I was pursuing into real estate, you know. So, one of the things that we do uh, in our in our little conglomerates of um, of companies is is 
embedded in our business is a creative agency. Uh, and so we do the branding and, and, and the marketing work for all of the um, the assets that we promote, whether it's, again, development projects, condominiums, high-end homes, summer homes. We do all of the, uh, the, the, the brand, the, the websites, the um, um, uh, identity, um, you know, just search engines and social media and videos. And, um, and, and it's a very creative process. So if, if you do come from a creative arts and, and music being one of them, I, and, and you can, you know, you begin to replicate and translate a lot of that into marketing work. Um, and and it, uh, it was a nice natural transition, evolution, and, and they kind of go hand in hand. So um, I, I think that the, the music and the arts backgrounds was very, very helpful for what we're, for how the company is formed together and how the organization has evolved. I, I think I, that's that's odd, particularly since I know that you are so creative in, in all of your brands, which we're going to get into a lot of the specifics soon. But yeah. all the turbulence that we have in the real estate business today, and there is a lot, like three mm-hmm. years ago, we had spectacular appreciation. Then there was COVID, now inflation, interest rate hikes, like just all around uncertainty. So, Eddie, like, how do you see the market in the next two to three years in New York City? I, I would say New York, Brooklyn and the boroughs and the Hamptons. Like, what's your opinion of how it's going to be in the next two to three years? The never-ending million-dollar question, right? How is the market going to trend in, in the next six months to a year? Is Interest rates obviously had some effects on uh, capabilities for buyers. To, you know, money is a lot more expensive now and harder to get. Uh, mm-hmm. So that has some effect in the marketplace. The confidence, if, if you turn on the news on a daily basis, the word recession is being, um, you know, we're being brainwashed with it, right? And so if you hear it enough times, you start to become part of it, right? You, you kind of respond to it and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to hold off for a minute and, and wait to see how this thing turns out. But if I look back at the 30-year career that I've had in this business, I've gone through the various subtle recessions of the 90s, the dot-com collapse, the 9-11s, the 2008 the financial collapse. At the end of the day, in particularly in the markets that you've identified, the Hamptons, New York City, so on and so forth, there's usually a pause for several months, six months or so. But the, these markets are really made out of an incredible wealth concentration. And, and there, they, there's so much that fuses the local economies, whether it's uh, banking or fashion or you know all the industries that support these markets and, and on a local level. And, and these are destination markets. Uh, people come to New York from all over the world to to start businesses, to start a career, to uh, pursue education, so on and so forth. So no matter what happens with the economical cycles over the, the, the 30 years of that, the, the pause is always short uh, term, six months, seven months, eight months, and then we carry on. And we carry on. It's, it's the state of the human condition. We um, um, reorganize. And remain optimistic and inspired. And we hear that, uh, you know, our friend on the left here is, you know, moving this way and the guy on the right is moving this way and it gives you the confidence to move forward. And it wasn't really that bad. And maybe if your net worth has been affected by 20, 25%, that hasn't put you out of business. And so if you were thinking about buying something a year ago and interest rate just went up, you adjust 
and you say, okay, well, I'm just going to have to accept that my monthly payments are going to be slightly higher, and I'm going to have to come up with a little bit uh, more of a down payment, but I think I can swing it. And, um, you know, and we carry on. When you walk down the streets today, it doesn't feel like there's a recession coming or going or, or happening. You know, the, the, all the, the luxury stores are full and, and activity on the street is nonstop and every restaurant is full and you can't get reservation and so on and so forth. So a lot of my agents and people who work for me come to me and say, so what do you think about the market? What do you think about this? What do you think that? I say, look. Um, here's what I've learned over 30 years. You wake up in the morning, take a shower, work out, feel good, put something on, dress professionally, go to work and work with what the market is. I don't see anything more than where we are today going on the negative side of things. I think most of it has been priced in, in terms of uh, any price corrections that may or may have not been. The biggest issue that everyone's got to look at is at the end of the day is demand. Demand hasn't stopped population is growing uh we're still you know we still don't have enough housing to meet the demand you know if you're not buying go to the rental market rent something you're paying top dollar on the rent you're paying in new york city this morning i was looking at a particular building the one bedrooms are starting at seven thousand the two bedrooms wow. are Twelve thousand, and the three bedrooms are twenty thousand. So, if the interest rates are bothering you now, okay, we'll go rent something, and then look at it and say, okay, well, uh, you know, if I'm spending all that money, I might as well just pay interest and own something, and maybe a long term enjoy some appreciation and you know, and and um, tax benefits of ownerships and so on and so forth. So, it's the same debate and argument that's been going on for thirty years. The bottom line is, everything is great. Let's go. You know, I. With you, and I'm going on record by telling all my friends and my professionals around me, my clients, I, I think this is the moment. I think this is the window. And I think that people are going to start to buy and enter the market because they're going to get tired of paying these rents. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I would never bet against New York. And I, I do think that it's going to be higher as we have this conversation. People are going to wish they bought. That's just my personal opinion. And I'm going on record for that. Yeah. So, really, at the end of the day, supply and demand. So, if you look at, if you, if you don't, if rents weren't that high, that means that demand for housing wasn't there. Right. And if, you know, and it's not the case. Rents are higher than they've ever been. And so it's, you know, it that debate of do I spend 20 grand a month renting something or paying a, a monthly payment on something is, is always going to prevail. And the, the sales market is supported partly by the rental market demand, by general demand. So as I said before, adjust to the market conditions, but it's never stopped. In 30 years, the market has just gotten bigger, wider, and larger. I remember when some of my competitors today have, you know, eight to 10,000 agents working for them. 30 years ago, you know, some of these companies had 150 agents. Now they have 5,000, 8,000, 10,000 agents. So, you know, the, the housing market grew, the brokerage business grew, the industry grew. It hasn't stopped it. Towers are taller than ever, going 57th Street, and you get dizzy just looking up. You know, the the market trends are six months to a year at best. And I think we're at the tail end of whatever this recent trend has been. We're also coming, you know, we also have a major hangover from a major hangover, right? We had the, the COVID hangover that actually turned into the greatest real estate market in probably in history, right? 2021 was just historically was insane. I think we clocked in close to 6,000 transactions. 
which is a lot for us. As big of a company as we are, it's just a huge volume of transactions, 6,000 transactions. And so we're coming off of a massive high to what I would consider is a reasonable high, right? So anytime you come up from, from come out of a, a crazy year like a 2020, which doesn't happen very often, a, a reasonable decline by in volume by say 20% feels like a slowdown, but it really isn't. It's just, we're just now in a normal high, you know? I want to get into some of your new ventures shortly, but I think you're the ideal person to ask about real estate and technology. Do you think okay. we're going to be replaced? Like already rental clients are all over street easy. They're finding places on their own. You saw what happened with the taxis and Uber. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, there's this new app now where you could actually put on your phone, the doors will open for you. You could. You don't need a broker. You can go in and see your own apartment to be pre-qualified. All this technology, what do you make of that? So I'll tell you a story. In At the end of it, probably 98, 99, it was late 90s, was in one of the very first real estate technology conferences. And I'm sitting watching this panel. And the panel consisted of some of the great CEOs of the time, and I'm not going to name any names, but they were, you know, principal of some of the biggest technology companies in the world. Remember, this is the late 90s, yes? And at the time, they were doing virtual, the the beginning of virtual tours and doing um, videography. I remember yeah. um, on on helicopters. Today we use drones to get those, you know, to get a beautiful house filmed, you know, from from above, and and you know, and and this this was the first era of the real estate portals, you know, the likes of, you talked about Street Easy and so on. There were other portals at the time, I think it was Home Store, and there was all sorts of real estate portals. And this panel was sitting there and they're talking and they're convincing each other and arguing how long will it take for the real estate industry to become completely obsolete? You know, whether it's going to be three years, two years, or five years, as technology is evolving, all that information is now going to be available online to people. People are going to be buying properties by looking at these videos and photos online on these portals. And you really won't need a broker anymore. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and that was the late 90s. That was the demise. And these people run some of the most powerful technology companies in the world today. And since then, the real estate brokerage business quadruple, if not, you know, 10 times, tenfold, bigger than ever, and actually have adopted those technologies to provide better service to its clients, right? So the, the people that adopted the technologies are actually the brokers and the brokerages, not the consumer, right? And the consumer enjoys a better experience because of it, but it hasn't taken out the brokerage business out. People want service, okay? It's possible that you go into a restaurant, there's a self-serving buffet. Do you still want to make your own plate and sit there at the table? Or do you want to enjoy a server giving you the full luxury experience, telling you about the specials, recommending something, you know, filling up your glass of water, ordering you a drink, et cetera. We enjoy, we're society and particularly in the Western, and particularly in the luxury markets that enjoy service. And that's what the brokerage business is. So with all the respect to any new idea, and now that we're entering to the era of uh, artificial intelligence, okay, all of these great technological advances make the service experience, okay, better. It's adopted by the professionals. Rather than by the consumer, the consumer still wants the advice of a professional. I have 
I have money uh, that that you know that I trade from time to time. And you know, I was convinced in the '90s that we would no longer need financial advisors or stockbrokers or people that would tell us how to invest our money because we're now going to have direct access to these capital markets, uh, whether you're these days in crypto or whatever it is. But we don't want that. We want someone to tell us how to do this. We want someone that's a professional, lives and breathes this business, knows the ins and outs, and knows the tricks of the trades, and have access to information that a typical, you know, a consumer. If, I, if I'm if I'm in marketing, if I'm in fashion, I'm not living and breathing the real estate because I don't know what the best deals are out there. I'm not sure that I know what the best next move for me to do. I want someone to tell me from the inside how I should go about it. What should be my next move? And, and and that is, at the end of the day, it always prevails, is our need for service and for quality service. So we can talk about the next 20 big tech ideas. At the end of the day, the service business is not going anywhere. Uh, and real estate brokerages are not going anywhere. That sort of an experience between client and agent will always be there. It's always been there. Um, and it's never going away. I'm convinced now after 30 years of waiting for the for that big shoe to drop, I can tell you, I don't see that ever coming. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. Well, that's good news. I think we'll just all encompass and get used to it. So let's yeah. just let's move on and let's talk about the new markets. You have an international venture. Tell us yes. about it. Okay. So, you know, as as a uh, brand in particularly in the real estate space, we're always looking for ways to, first of all, to create some unique value proposition. We look for the opportunities where others don't uh, see it. Um, and you know, one of the things that we've noticed with many of our competitors is that um, by its nature, real estate brokerage celebrates local, right? It, it celebrates agents and uh, companies and being the local experts in this market and the other. And uh, some of the uh, our big competitors that have been on hyper growth in the past few years have all been focused on trying to conquer East Coast to West Coast and everything in between. And what we found from many of the clients that we work with is that, you know, there's there's a culture on the West Coast, a culture in the East Coast. Uh, there are things in the middle, but they don't necessarily all click in the same way. And the lifestyle of someone in Chicago may be different than a guy in Miami that may be different a person in Texas or Tennessee or Ben, Oregon, than the people in L.A. and people in New York. And what we found that a, a more natural progression to our client base is that you know many of them may you know they they have their primary residences in new york and la they summer in the hamptons they summer in, or they winter in south florida but they're also interested in the mediterranean just as much and they're interested in europe and europe has a rich history and beautiful real estate and, and it's really the origin of anything that's that's pretty everything you know fashion comes from you everything um that that we are inspired by architectural design and, and so on comes from europe and so a lot of our clients spend august in in the med 
some of them are in the Côte d'Azur in France. Some of them are in Costa uh, del Sol in Spain, Pizza in Mallorca. Some of them are in the Italian uh, markets or even Croatia now. And so for us, it made a lot more sense to uh, pursue expansion and growth um, in those markets a lot more than it is to figure out how to conquer East Coast to West Coast. Asia or just Europe? It's like China? It, we have a footprint on um, in the Far East and a number of the markets. Um, not necessarily for that purpose. You know, every market we approach uh, on its merits. In other words, you know, the, 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 the business strategy that we have for the Amalfi Coast and Capri and Apulia and Southern Italy and those vacation markets is completely different than the one that we have for our sole office in South Korea. Um, and it is completely different than what we're looking to pursue in Dubai. So we are in many of these international markets, um, but for different reasons, right? We use them as satellite offices to distribute um, uh, projects uh, from the U.S. and Europe uh, that um, is there to uh, facilitate uh, investment by foreign buyers, you know, from the Far East and from the Middle East that, that want a piece of the Western world. Uh, whereas um, what we're doing in, in Europe is really mostly focused on local brokerage there and celebrating the, the beauty of the Mediterranean uh, and all the various countries that uh, surrounding it. And with headquartered out of London, which is the still financial capital of Europe, that is sort of, you know, the sister city in Europe for New York. So I know that when you're trying to finance and get money out of Europe, or you're not an American, it's it's usually much di more difficult, particularly now with financing. I think the banks are going to get much tighter. They're not going to lend. So are you seeing these being cash buyers or are you, do you have some relationship with banks to get these people financing? How, how are you selling to them? Well, let's start with the, with, with this. It never ceases to amaze me. Uh, the amount of capital and the amount of wealth that <laughs> is around the world, whether uh, it's in um, uh, Europe or, or the U.S., there, there's a tremendous amount of cash out there, a lot, right? And while, you know, everyone loves leverage, it's great to be able to buy something for $10 million with only $2 million or $3 million down payment to be able to finance the rest and to borrow the the, the you know the bulk of it in low interest rates who wouldn't right because maybe i can get two houses like that one on the east coast one on the west coast but if i have to come up with more cash then you know the, the markets are really really deep and and capital and wealth is is uh, incredibly surprising out there so the European markets are were actually a little bit more conservative always they've always been a little bit more conservative the lending um, facilities uh, there a lot more than they were in the U.S. So it's it's not too strange for European buyers uh, to come up with 50% down payments or 40% and to lend money in tougher terms. Yes, but it's, uh, it's, uh, more cash yeah. to national buyers. Uh, so where are these buyers coming from? Do you see buyers from India right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so you have obviously the developing countries that don't stop developing. You know, like India is a major growing market now. There's tremendous new wealth that's coming from there on the ultra high end and middle markets. But it's very fluid. Um, uh, yesterday, I had someone in my office uh, that um, has um, 
that is buying something for us from us here in New York, but has a place in Ibiza that he's selling. He spent the past two, three years in uh, Miramar. And, um, you know, once we sell their place in Ibiza, they're ready to move on to Italy. But the guy is actually originally from South America. So, <laughs> so covering so, all bases, Eddie. So, right. So, so if you're asking me, where is it coming from? Everywhere. In I everywhere. got it. Yeah, everywhere and everywhere. Let's move, let's move on to your media company, which is really exciting. I know this is like your some, it's your baby. So, yeah. supporting your core business, how do you, any new TV projects? Tell us about it. So the you know the the uh, the media entity is um, you know it, it's 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 complementing everything that we do on the business side. Um, we we've participated in one way, shape or form in uh, the unscripted world uh, for the past 15 years, if not more um, in, in many of these real estate shows, you know, starting with our, a 10 year run with million dollar listing and uh, um, recent years with uh, beach house on Netflix and the HBO, uh, the HBO discovery show that we have now called selling the Hamptons and, in fact, in um, uh, in August, we're airing um, a show with the BBC that's kind of uh, based on our London office called uh, Crazy Rich Agents. I'm not revealing, yeah, I'm not revealing anything new. This is all public information. But um, and what we found is that I'll, uh, you know, as much as it is, it's an undertaking to participate in these shows. Uh, it's an incredible marketing vehicle for our businesses, for our brand. It gives us incredible international exposure because many of these shows, they might air um, in, in, in whether it's the UK or the a US market, but from there it gets distribution around the world, and particularly in the, in the uh, streaming platforms. And, and it creates... Um, brand exposure and interest in the brands from all corners of the globe. So um, a few years ago, we decided we're going to incorporate that as, as as part of a business strategy. And so we became a production media company, um, you know, as one of the, uh, uh, the subsidiaries that we have that, you know, since we're involved in production of all these shows, we're really acting as executive producers uh, we provide resources, access to houses. Uh, our, you know, we've got a casting agency, which is our entire brokerage business of 1,500 agents and employees, and they all participate in it. So why not make it a business, you know? Um, uh, and and so we did. And now uh, Nest Media is a uh, viable, um, successful production company with about eight, nine different projects now in the works some in pre-production, some development, some already uh, in second, third, fourth season. And it will continue to be part of our story moving forward. Um, and now that we're in all these other class assets, such as uh, boating, yachting, jets, so on and so forth, I'm sure the media uh, component will um, um, form programs and shows and access uh, around those uh, uh, industries. So it's it's all just a big part of our story. You know, um, uh, the, the shows are uh, meant to expose and promote the business. Um, it's access to our world. You know, if you look at the greatest, most successful shows in the world today, 
from successions to billions to you know all, all of these different shows that are doing incredible numbers in, in, in on HBO showtimes it's all about business people want to know how things are made right uh, because you can relate to it because uh, it's personal everyone's you know every, everyone is an entrepreneur everyone's got a house and they, they want to know about it they want to know the insides. Uh, and there, it's great to see fiction, but it's also great to see the true access to how it's really done in the world. And so, uh, there's an endless demand for these unscripted shows, and and we've made it uh, a big part of our business strategy. So, so that's that's the story of Nest Media. So, if I was, uh, if I called you, and I was just a, a person looking to get into real estate, and I was looking to either start or transfer from another business, what advice would you give me as a real estate agent? And what makes you think an average agent would become a great agent? What advice can you give the agents that are listening to this about getting into real estate? So, um, great question. Let's start with this. The first is um, the past decade with all the, the media around real estate has made the real estate business an incredibly sexy industry a lot more than it was 25 30 years ago it had a different you know people viewed the real estate brokerages not as glamorous as they see it today and because it you know, the, uh, yeah I mean, you, you, you know think about what what a real estate agent was 20 years ago right it was part-time kind of you know third career choice kind of a thing if all fails then i'll be a real estate agent where today People graduate law school and say, you know what, forget law. I'm I'm gonna be an agent, you know, because I see these guys on TV making five, seven, eight, ten million dollars a year, and I'll never make that as a lawyer. So it draws a lot of incredible talent to it um, because it, it glamorized it in such a way and it's it's become uh such a thing. Um but you have to realize that it's a very, very competitive business and there's tens of thousands of people just like you that are pursuing it. There's tens of thousands of, of other aspiring agents that are, you know, competing for that same business. And and um, and it's hard work. It's tremendous hard work because the old guard is also there to stay and not to go away and make room for, for new talent to come in. So if you're coming into the real estate business, first and foremost, come into it and you're sure that that's what you want to do realize that one you're not going to have a million followers on instagram and you'll be on tv tomorrow morning you know there's months and years of hard work of building your reputations of, of building your clients base of um learning the ropes there are nuances there are tricks of the trades there's a lot of details that um and and um strategies that that you learn and which takes time like in any business in any industry but the sky is the limit like number one is for work ethic and, and so that that is i think one of the biggest challenges for people get into this business is they watch the guys on tv and they're like ah, I, I can be like that guy you know i can be like this person um but you're not willing to do the work so it, it's really work ethics commitments discipline hard work um bring that to the table and uh, and we'll we'll show you how to do it because it, it isn't rocket science uh, it's just about hard work that's what our business is if i asked you what locations you think in new york city will have the most appreciation and i want you to buy right now let's say a two million dollar apartment where would you tell me to 
to focus? It's harder than ever to answer that question. It's because what's happened in New York in the past 15, 20 years is that the entire city is really gentrified. There isn't a corner or pocket that hasn't gone through some evolution. You know, if you look at Brooklyn 20 years ago, there was something that was brewing up in Williamsburg and a little bit around it. And that was it. Um, you know, Brooklyn Heights, Park Slopes, these were very specific markets that, that um, were strong and, and high. But, you know, a lot of parts of Brooklyn were still, you know, needed a lot of work. But today, there isn't a neighborhood in Brooklyn that hasn't gone through some gentrification and has already seen a tremendous amount of favorite location evolution and growth. Uh, the South Bronx is a booming market. Queens, Long Island City, Astoria, Queens, they're booming markets and they're going through their second, third generation of evolution. There isn't a pocket in Manhattan that hasn't evolved and cleaned up. It used to be, uh, you know, 96 was the cutoff. It isn't anymore, right? There are different parts of Harlem. And as you go up to Morningside Heights, every corner of the city has gone through gentrification, evolution, growth, and expansion. And so, it's very hard to predict in any one of these corners what's what what is still, you know, twenty five percent below, you know, behind, right? <laughs> so I think it comes down to picking and choosing um, where do you identify with the most in terms of, you know, uh, neighborhood culture, uh, lifestyle that appeals to you the most. Um, and try to find the best deal possible within that pocket. Um, I believe in improving your your property. You know, people uh, buy and sell property, uh, but don't think too much about design, finishes, improvement. Um, uh, you know, doing investing in like a killer kitchen and great bathrooms and designing your space and, and making it unique. I think that's where you can find a lot of value, but um, um, it's very hard to say, you know, go invest in Soho, but don't invest in the Upper West Side or invest in the East Side. All of these markets are um, um, mature markets, and um, uh, you know, I think I think there is there isn't a place that's that's uh, is destined to be fifty percent higher um, in in the next three years. You know, it's all that, good. Just yeah, invested. It's all good, exactly. Well, thank you so much. And I, I'm really, um, this has been very interesting to hear about all of these ventures you have and keep doing what you're doing because we have to keep it going. So thank, thank you, you for coming. So we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.